We'd like to welcome everyone today. If you're a guest with us, we're so wonderfully blessed to have you here today worshiping with us. And uh, we're glad to have you today. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. Amen. I believe God is doing some great things and I believe 2020 is a year of going forward. So many times we get in, in, um, involved in looking behind us and looking backwards and trying to make decisions of our future based on the mistakes of our path. But some past, but sometimes you just got to eliminate all that, put it under the blood, forget the things that are behind you and press towards the mark. And, um, we are doing that in 2020. I'm excited about what God's doing. I'm excited about what I feel in here. And um, I believe that what we are witnessing in here is just the seed of the fruit that God wants to bring into this body. Um, the, again, one of the things we talked about, this hit me a couple of days ago, and I'm, I'm, I'm digressing for a moment. But several years ago when we started and launched our current vision where we begin small groups and we begin the, the direction that we're in right now, one of the things that God impressed upon us and upon me very strongly was that uh, we are uh, approaching the 50th anniversary of the church that we are uh, a part of. And, and um, even though Antioch West has only been around um, approaching four years, the church that most of us came out of has been around for a long time. And one of the promises of that church is that it would be a place that you come to to be trained, to be sent out for harvest and revival. And um, for years growing up, I always thought that meant, you know, people coming from all over the world, which we've always had. But as I began to pray several years ago, I realized that that really was first and foremost a local promise, that we as believers should be coming to be equipped and trained to be sent out for revival and harvest. And so I believe that's one of the things we, we are slowly trying to change, even with our understanding of why we come together on Sunday mornings. Uh, traditionally, Sunday mornings is a place of simply passive ministry where we come and we hear a message, we hear, we sing a few songs, that's all great, and we kind of just put that aside as a part of our week. But really, when I come here, I'm trying to get closer to Jesus so that I can be more effective in reaching others outside of here. And we understand, and we it's very easily proven in Scripture, that there's a different dimension of fellowship when we come together as the body, as we do individually as sons and daughters of Christ. And so, all that being said, I'm very excited about what God is doing and where He's taking us. Scripture interpretation and understanding Scripture and interpreting Scripture can be a slippery slope. One of the reasons is because you can see, you can miss the force because of the trees, or you can't see the forest because of the trees. And you can deviate down paths not intended um, for many different reasons. I've said this before, uh, one of the errors I see in scriptural interpretation is uh, the high context, low context um, uh, sort of uh, um, issue. And that is the fact that the Bible was written in high context, but we read it in low context. What I mean by that is simply... If you and I were writing a letter to each other today, even though we don't write letters, so let's just use something more uh, applicable. If you were writing an email to someone today, you would write to them and you would make mention of things that have high context to what we're going through today. You might say that the political uh, situation in this country is divided. You might say that the Middle East is in a, is, is, is a very touchy subject. You might say... Um, certain things of that nature. And for the reader, you don't have to explain those things because that reader already understands the context and understands sort of what you're trying to get to because they're reading it in high context. If I said to you in in text message, LOL, if you're probably under the age of 80, you know what that means. It's not like lollipops of love or something of that nature. It's laughing out loud. So if I said LL to you, you don't understand. Well, 
That's the understanding that a lot of times in Scripture, when we're reading Scripture and we're trying to interpret Scripture through the power of the Holy Ghost, that we have to be careful because we cannot be so um, uh, sort of um, 21st century, this is terrible English, but work with me, 21st century arrogant to assume that somehow because we have all of the technology and understanding we do today, that somehow we have the corner of the market understanding the context of Scripture. And sometimes I think our current climate, culture, and technology is actually a deterrent from understanding Scripture, not a blessing. Because we go with such a, a high loftitude of, of arrogance to understanding Scripture because somehow because we have technology, we have got the corner of the market. And in fact, I love the Scripture that is going to be a part of the series that I'm doing on Tuesday nights that just is hitting me. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, I mean, it's verse number two. He says, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. But we are a knowledge-driven society. We're knowledge-driven. We're, we're driven to know more and more and more. Um, and because of that, we have a tendency sometimes to struggle in our interpretation of Scripture. And, and I use that because I want to get to a point here in just a minute. Because if you look at it in isolation, there's power. But if you look at it in context, there's even greater power. Uh, it's kind of like all of us in here, we have a favorite movie. Most of us have a favorite movie. Um, and there may be parts of that movie that you can quote today. Or there may be parts of that movie that you might remember better or like better than others. But those parts in that movie have their value because they're a part of the bigger whole. You might like this part. You know, you, you, all of you Hallmark fans in here. That at the end, when that every Hallmark movie ends with the final kiss, usually, right? That final kiss has meaning. You might remember the final kiss where they finally got together. Christmas is saved. They kissed. The reason why that Hallmark movie has context in the kissing is because you saw the falling love, you saw the falling away, and so the kiss at the end has meaning. If you just saw the kiss without context, it's just a kiss. But within the context of the movie, the kiss has greater meaning. Now, before you get panicked, and I'm not giving you a dissertation on Hallmark movies. But I'm trying to understand here for a second context. So there's a scripture here I'm going to read in a minute. John chapter 15. That when I read a lot of you, if you've been around church at all, you probably have heard at least quoted or referred to, or even read, because it's a very familiar passage of Scripture. But I, I want to approach it, um, um, I, just, I just don't want to just look at the runway, I want to look at the approach. We're going to back it up here. We're going we're gonna to back it up before we, 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 we lower the landing gear, we, before we engage the flaps, before we slow down. We're going we're gonna to say, where were we when we got to this point? Because I think it's important when you're reading the, the Word of God, you understand that, and, and I know it's simple, and I know a lot of you know this, but allow me again to, to lay the foundation. I think I mentioned it last week. When you're reading the Bible, when, when John, and we're going to read John in a minute, when John wrote his gospel, he did not write him with all those little numbers next to everything. He didn't write it. And if you've got a Bible like I do, I use, a lot of times, I use the U version out of, Online, I don't know what Bible you use on your phone or you just have. But if you look in the U version here, if you notice, if you can see that far away, but you notice it's got sort of these headings over different parts of Scripture. Your Bible may have that as well. John didn't put those headings there. They were put there by the translators. I, and sometimes they're very helpful. And I'm going to show you in a minute, sort of I'm going to use those headings for a purpose. My point I'm trying to make is, is that sometimes we take one thought and we extract it out of a full thought. I want to show you this in John chapter 14. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to lay the foundation. You've got this buildup sort of in John. Now, John was a very in-depth writer. He, he really dove deep into some subjects. He wasn't skipping rocks. He wasn't telling stories. He was really getting deep into some things. And so John talks about, he kind of gets into this uh, uh, vein. He's talking about Jesus 
washing the feet of disciples. And then he gets into, in John chapter 13, he talks about Jesus identifying the betrayer, who's going to betray him. And then uh, the scripture we we used last uh, Tuesday night in the teaching I did Tuesday night. And that was uh, John chapter 13, where Jesus said, um, uh, I'm going to give you a new commandment, that you love one another as I love you. That you also love one another. By this will all men know you're my disciples. That you have love for one another. And so he's kind of in this vein. And he talks about. Okay. And after that he talks about Peter. Denial. Then we move into chapter 14. And he gets into this, this, this really in-depth stuff. Each one of these is a, is a full, huge, exploratory subject to be, to, by itself. But I, I, I want to look at these as building blocks. And, and so he's got this. He, he's talking about Jesus and, and washing the feet of the disciples. And then he kind of puts that little nugget in there about the betrayal, who the betrayer was. And, and, and then he says, okay, I want to give you this new commandment that you love one another. And by all this, by all this shall men know you're my disciples. Jesus' greatest definition of a disciple of him was someone who loved one another. And so he gets into this, and then he throws that back again with Peter. You know, Judas, he kind of puts the, the cream of the cookie is. And I, I don't know, looking back on that, I, and you study that, I don't know if that was John coming to sort of his grip of dealing with his own offense towards Peter and Judas. Because it's kind of weird that he sandwiched those two thoughts with love being the key to knowing and being a disciple of Jesus Christ, because he said, oh yeah, Jesus identified Judas. You need to love everybody. Oh, by the way, Peter's going to die, Jesus too. I don't know if that's John the Beloved, the one who really was the one that really poured his love out on, on Jesus. I don't know if that was him years later looking at his own journey of forgiveness and kind of said, you know, that jerk Judas. Oh, by the way, you should love everybody. And that knucklehead Peter. I don't know. Just curious to me why he puts that sort of huge, vast, important, defining scripture sandwiched between Judas and Peter. Maybe that was because those were the two hardest people John had to love. And you really don't know if you're loving if you can't love the people that are hard to love. Easy to love the people that are like you, the people of the same interest to you, that come from the same background as you, might I say the same color as you. The challenge of love is to look across at somebody that's different. And you know what? I'll say it this way. It's one thing for a Republican to love a Republican, but it's another thing for a Republican to love a Democrat and a Democrat love a Republican. Let's just get real, okay? It's another thing for a white to like a white and a black to like a black. But when white and blacks can come together, when yellow and green can come together, when purple and orange can come together, when rich and poor can come together. That's true love. And I think two of the sort of the the opposites of John was this Judas guy. And the other opposite of John was Peter, the wild, wild west man. So he has this, and then he gets into this vein. And in John chapter 14, he talks about Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. He re- he's, remember, he's, he's looking back, and he's under the unction of the Holy Ghost, and he's writing these things out. And he says in John chapter 14, verse 1, he said, you know, that's where Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house, and many mansions, and all this stuff he's talking about, and I'm the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except by me. Then he jumps right into that revealing the Father. Who is the Father? Father and Jesus and all this stuff that's being revealed. And he talks about answering prayer. Again, you, you, you understand that G, if you understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and you understand who the Father is, then you can step into answered prayer because that's where he said, if whatever you ask in my name, I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. And then he gets into this. Next step, again, look at the progression there, right? So you go from Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. Any man come to the Father has got to come through Jesus. And then you got this whole thing of who's the Father, revealing the revelation of who the Father is, and then the revelation of the power of answered prayer. And then the next thing he gets into is the, the comforter, where Jesus promises the comforter, the, the helper, the one that's going to come, and the parakletos, the thing that's going to come and be your comforter, your empower is going to come. And then he talks about the indwelling of the Father and the Son. This is all leading up to this Next. And then finally, it seems like he's, he's, he's deviating a little bit. 
But it's hard to receive from God if you don't know who God is. It's hard to receive from God if you don't know who God is. And so he's revealing in these sort of portions of Scripture, trying to help you understand who God is. First of all, you got to know that Jesus is the only way. There's no back door. There's no side door. There's no window that's left cracked. There's no basement entry. It's only Jesus. Jesus is it. Simply Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And to understand who Jesus is, you'll understand who the Father is. Because Jesus said, I'm the Father of one. So you understand this context. And when you understand that and you understand the power that's available to you as a child of God, then you can step into this world where if you ask anything in his name, he will do. And then he gets into this thing, but I'm going to give you this helper. I'm going to give you this empowerment. And then I'm going to say, but wait a minute, I'm going to talk about the indwelling of the Father and the Son and the Son of all this stuff. And then he kind of goes into this next. John chapter 14, verse number 25. He says, these things have I spoken to you while being present with you. What things? The things we just talked about. But the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, bring to you the remembrance of all things that I said to you. That's an important little side note. I'm kind of deviating off the path here for a moment. But we sit here every week, week after week after week after week after week for most of us, and you hear a lot of stuff come across the pulpit. You're exposed to a lot of stuff. And just like, how do I remember all of this stuff? That's where the power of the Holy Ghost comes in. Because God will bring to your memory what you need when you need it. Can't tell me how many times if you put, that's the power of the word. If you put word in you, you're not going to remember every scripture you read. But God can't call to memory something you haven't put in. Some of you in crisis are going to a blank hard drive. But if you put scripture in, God can pull scripture out. That's why when you're reading, sometimes you're trying to read so you can get some kind of great nugget. Sometimes you just got to read to put it in. Sometimes, I know it's silly, it's a great technology. Sometimes I've got the Bible on Recording, audio recording. I've got dramatized versions of the Bible. And I'll listen to that sometimes. Why? Because I'm just putting word in, word in, word in, word in, word in, word in, word in. If you don't think that works, how many times have you been walking around and some song you haven't heard since 1972 pops in your head? I mean, come on, how many times you're walking around and all of a sudden it's like, Papa was a rolling stone. Wherever he laid a hat was his home. And where did he die? All that he left us was alone. You're like, what in the world? Where did that come from? I haven't heard that in a long time. 1973. Hey, I knew it. Somebody in here knew it. Don't act like you're all spiritual and you just listen to Maranatha singers, some of you know what I'm talking about. It's powerful because that's how your brain is. And all of a sudden, I mean, songs, you're in a store. Man, I'm telling you, I wish I was spiritual and talking with Jesus and had the Holy Ghost where I talked in an accent. But I'm in a store somewhere and a song plays over the speakers. And next thing you know, all day long, I've got that song in my head. It's just in there. And all of the blue, I mean, you see something, you smell something, you see a memory, and all of a sudden, song popped in your head. I know that's the power of music, but I believe the Word has even greater power. If I put enough Word in me, if I put myself in the Word, there's going to be crisis in my mind, in my spirit, in my heart, in my life, where all of a sudden, God's going to bring a Scripture back. and we're going to go, where'd that come from? He's going to say, because it was in you. I will hide thy Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so he says, the Holy Ghost is going to come and bring all things back to your remembrance that I said. Now, here we go. He says, peace I leave to you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give you. Now, this is some really powerful stuff. He said, let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. Now, I get it. I get it. I get it. I understand. You know, Jesus is very naive here. He's talking to a bunch of fishermen. A lot of uneducated guys. He wasn't talking to us today. We got a lot of stuff to be worried about and afraid. He certainly didn't understand what we're facing today. So when he said, let not heart your trouble, neither be afraid. I mean, come on. He was talking about these guys, these fishermen. What did they have to worry about? They didn't have anything to worry about. I mean, 
They, they, they didn't have need for all the stuff we have today. We, got, we, we need all this stuff because we can't control our fears. So we've got to go to all this other stuff. And, and they didn't need all that because they weren't dealing with all of that. And he said, let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. You've heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father for my Father is greater than I. And I've told you before it comes that, it would, that when it does come to pass, you may believe I will no longer talk with you as much. For the rule of this world is coming and had nothing in me. And we talked about last week, where are the bottles in your bag? So we're going to get to something in just a second, but it starts with what we talked about last week. What bottles are left in your bag? Because you can't get to this next part if you've got a bag full of bottles. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to go back and watch. You're like, bottles? What, what, what are we doing with bottles in church? Context. It's all about context. High context, low context. <sighs> You're like, man, of all the Sundays I missed, we had bottles last week? Of all the Sundays. No, not those kind of bottles. Such were some of you. Praise the Lord. But we understand emptying out the bottles of our bag. He said, I will no longer talk with you for the ruler of this world's coming. And nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. Now, here's where the scripture I wanted to get to. Now, all that's leading up to this, right? Now, here he gives the scripture. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me, everybody say in me, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So pretty much, you're going to get it either way. This is what he's saying. If you don't bear fruit, I'm going to cut you off. If you are bearing fruit, I'm going to prune you, which means to cut down so that you can bear more fruit. So if you think that you can avoid this, you're going to get it either way. It says that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me. Now get this. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5. Now, all this is context again. Now we're looking at context. We see this progression. You know, he talked about the progression of knowing who the Father was, understanding the power of prayer, understanding the why we have received the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit in our life. We understand all this stuff leading up to this. And then he gives us this, this deal that the, the God of this world has come and my bag is empty of bottles. I've got nothing in me. But I need you to abide in me so that you can be fruit-bearing. So you can bear fruit. And here he goes. This is the crux. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do some things. Without me, you can do everything you can until you can't do anymore. And then I'll help you do the rest. When you tried everything, try Jesus. That's such a false, false. And I know we used to sing it when I was a kid. When you tried everything, try Jesus. That's false. There's nowhere in the Bible that says when you tried everything, come me. He said, I'm going to let you know right now, without me, you can do nothing. And can I let you know in this, that doesn't mean spiritual stuff. Because we say, without you, you can do nothing. Of course, I can spiritual stuff, all the holy stuff. No, that means everything you do in your day, you can't do without him. Because if you do think you can do it, you're living a false life to think, well, I can do this. And every time, I don't care how skilled you are at your job. And we have some people in here that are very skilled in very high places. When you walk in that job, I don't care how much training and skill you have, you can't do that job without him. If you think you can, as a child of God, he's an enemy of your job. Because he said the carnal mind is in enmity against God. And what's carnal? Carnal's not talking about morality. Carnal is about doing things in your flesh. So he says, if, if I'm the vine, you're the branches. He abides in me and mine bears the fruit with Matt. You can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them in the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. We talked about being humbly submitted and, and being biblically formed. What? Not just saying, well, I abide in him, but having his words, his 
His words, not only His written word, but His spoken word. Having His words abide in me, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Let's back it up here. We've been talking about this a long time, right? For the last two years. One of the great things is we're going to be disciples of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Woo-hoo! Let's back it up. To be a disciple, you've got to be a fruit bearer. And I'm not talking about bringing people to church. Because I've seen carnal people bring people to church. So bearing fruit is not talking about how many people you can put on your row. Bearing fruit is about the characteristics of Christ that are coming out in you. The fruit of the Spirit. The characteristics of who Jesus are. That bearing the fruit of the image of Jesus Christ in you. So in order to be a disciple, the defining characteristic of being a disciple is to be a fruit bearer. But you can't be a fruit bearer if the, if the Father's not being glorified in you. We talk about worship and all this. We want to glorify. How many of you, don't answer this. Just This should be a rhetorical question that everyone should have the same answer, but I won't ask you to answer it. How many of you want God to be glorified in your life? How do I do that? Go back again to verse number 7. This is part of doing that. That you will do this. That you will ask what you desire. That's a blank check. Let's start asking. God, I want this and I want that. And I got to have this. And I want a man. I want a woman. I want a car. I want a house. I want a job. I want this. I want that. He says, ask what you will. Oh, time out. Slow up the boat. Because there's the caveat. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then. So if I'm abiding in him and his words are abiding in me and I'm asking what I desire, who? what am I asking? I'm only asking his words because I don't have my words in me. So therefore, if I'm asking his words, I can have confidence that everything I ask he will do because it's not my words. So that means sometimes I'm going to pray some things I don't want to pray in my flesh. God, whatever it takes, Lord. Whatever you want to do in me, God. That's a noble prayer. I prayed those prayers so nobly in the past, not knowing what I was giving God. God, whatever it takes, Lord. Do whatever it takes in my heart. God's like, are you sure? Oh, yes, God. Do whatever it takes. Are you sure? Yes, God. Oh, I just want, I want you to just, just, just whatever you want to do to me, God, to make me more like you. Are you sure? One last chance. Yes, God. Oh, he's like, okay. And then my wife, my life goes crazy. And I'm like, God, what are you doing to me? Um, you asked me. No, 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 I didn't ask you. I asked you, you know, Lord, whatever, you know, do the good. No, I'm doing what you asked me to do. But I want to ask you this. Based off what we just read, what kind of person are you today? Are you a bucket or a hose? There's two types of people in this room today. There's buckets and hose. Can you grab those for me? That's where we are today. There's two categories of people in this room. You're either a bucket or a hose. And hopefully by the end of the day here, in just a few minutes, you'll understand which one you are and which one you need to be. Because we have two things that I present to you today. Both of them have similar characteristics. Both of them can have water or liquid in them. Both of them can transport water in them. But we understand by looking at these two instruments that I hold in my hands, you don't need a college education or a doctorate degree to be able to understand that even those at First glance, they might be able to hold the same liquid that they're different in their operations and they are different in their abilities. Because we understand that at the first glance that this is able to hold five gallons of liquid. Five gallons of liquid is quite a bit. If you don't think it's like, try to drink five gallons. Five gallons is a lot. But you see, the problem with a bucket is that the bucket, number one, has limitations on how much it can hold. First and foremost, simple, right? It can only hold what it says 
the capacity is. Home Depot has stamped this bucket to be five gallons. Now, we're trusting that they have measured this correctly. That it's not 4.8 gallons or 5.2 gallons, but it's five gallons. So we understand that this can only hold what it is. But that is under the guides that it's empty, right? Anything else goes in there, you're decreasing the capacity, right? Two plus two equals four in this. So a little bit, what we talked about last week, was a little bit of emptying out our bag for full capacity. But that was sort of the beginning because there's another level to get through because here's the problem with the bucket. The bucket has to be reliant on getting near the source. The source pours into the bucket, but then the bucket has no ability to be connected to the source because once the bucket's full, then what? So the bucket types come to church and they may pull out some stuff, but they get filled up. And then they go throughout the week and they pour out a little here, a little there. And by Saturday, you're looking down at your bucket and you're going, ooh, not so good. I'm almost to the bottom. Then you come Sunday and say, okay, God, fill me up. Fill me up. God fills you up. You go to small group and check to see if there's any holes in your bucket. Great. You go out. But see here, the problem with a bucket is this, is that we start getting accustomed to what we need. So if we walk around by somebody that may need a little of our bucket, I look at you and I go, you need, but I need, I can't spare what I need. I can't give you Anything out of my bucket, because if I give you something out of my bucket, I won't have anything left in my bucket. But what we do is we walk around and show everybody how good our bucket is. Oh, you should come to my church. We got orange buckets. Come to my church. Our preacher can fill your bucket up. But don't look in my bucket. I need my bucket. Oh, well, uh, uh, uh. Let me call my pastor real quick and tell him, uh, Pastor, my bucket's a little low right now. Could you pray for this so-and-so? Because we understand that the bucket is a problem. Because you can get filled up with the bucket. It feels good. You can walk out of here today full of faith. Man, it's good. Woo, praise God. What a great day. You can go to small group, talk about it, get it applied to your life. Awesome. But if it's a bucket, you've got a big problem because you understand you've got six days to ration out your bucket. God forbid you go to a Sunday morning and the preacher doesn't preach what's needed to fill your bucket up. You're like, okay, I like that song, but it's not my kind of song. My bucket's empty. Sing something else. You're like, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. We got Buck people over going, this is what I need. Fill my bucket up. People over going, okay. This ain't doing anything for the bucket. I mean, come on. I need something. And then we rejoice in the Lord always. We're like, bucket time, bucket, 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 bucket time, bucket time. We got buckets everywhere in that song. And then we're over here. And that's what it wrote because we got to get our bucket filled because you don't know, brother, right? The world is hard. That world, this world is hard. People taken from your bucket, bosses taken from your bucket, spouses taken from your bucket, kids taken from your bucket, parents taken from your bucket, friends taken from your bucket, neighbors taken from your bucket, family taken from your bucket, you taken from your own bucket, you got nothing left in your bucket. Because that's what we, we kind of live by. So when we talk about being the ministry of the body, we talk about going out of this place and ministering and being the love of Jesus Christ, we go, that's great. I can't do that because I don't know if I have enough. I'm already tapped out. My resources already tapped. You don't know how busy I am. You don't know how much under I'm there. You don't know what I'm going through right now. I can't do that. Why? Because I've only got enough in my bucket for me. I can't give my bucket to anybody else. What will I have left? So we get in the cycle, right? We know how to get the bucket filled. And that's sort of where religious people live. They live in a bucket mentality. True discipleship is not a bucket mentality. 
Religion produces bucket mentality. Religion is, I've got to go to God, which God and the church are the same. So I've got to go to the church to get my bucket filled because I'm not confident in my relationship with Jesus Christ on my own to get my bucket filled because I'm not connected to the source. So I've got to go find some people that are connected to the source because I'm not willing to pay the price in my own life to get connected to the source. So I've got to go find people connected to the source. So preacher, you pray all week, you fast, you see God for what I need because I don't know how to do it. Strong but true. And so we come and we get our bucket filled. But we are we really going? You ever, you ever seen the old movies? Like uh, the Charlie Chapman movies or the Three Stooges when they're doing the bucket brigade? The fire's going on. You go to the bucket brigade and they're passing the buckets and the water's spilling everywhere. Try to put out a fire. And, and here's the problem, right? When you start the bucket at the source, it's full. But by the time you pass it down to where Brother Jolin is, they put like a drop on the fire. We are not going to reach this world of the bucket brigade. We're not going to reach this world by the pastor passing the bucket to the small group leader. Small group leader park, packing the members. The members going out passing it to the people in their job, their family. Because by the time you get there, you're going. God has not intended his church to be a bucket brigade. Show me in John 15 where there's a bucket brigade. But we understand this thing. has some abilities that that thing doesn't have. Both can carry water. But this has something that that one doesn't have. And that is this. This has the ability to connect to something that that can't connect to. Because of this little connection spout right here, this can connect to what that cannot connect to. And I don't know. The problem is this. Nobody's ever glorified a hose. You have such a beautiful garden, but man, is your hose beautiful. Your flowers are gorgeous, but where did you get that green hose? You have got to tell me where you bought that hose. We know you didn't get that garden without a hose, but the hose doesn't get any glory because the hose was just an instrument. So to go from a bucket to a hose, the first thing you got to do is deny yourself, take up your cross, follow Him. Because it can't be all about you, bright and orange and shiny. you got to be a green thing. But here's the problem. John said, here's the deal. If you really want to know Him, and you really want to know what Jesus is about, you've got to understand this. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and my word abides in him, will bear much fruit. Which means this, is that if I can get this connected to the source. So if I can connect this, someone just grab this, brother, please hold on to it. If I can connect to the source, then, here's the beauty about that. Then, What flows through me is unlimited. Without me, you can truly do nothing. Why? Because I have given you an unlimited supply. That why, that way, when I go back out and I start in my life, instead of walking by my brother who I look at my bucket and go, I don't know if I can share, I freely give what I receive because I know that there's an unlimited source that I'm connected to. So I gladly share what I've got because I know there's more from where that came from. Then I can reach and I can share. And you know what the problem is? I don't have to go back Sunday morning and get filled because the only thing I need to do every morning I get up is check the connection. Am I connected to the source? Are there any kinks in me? Meaning, are there any weights, any sin, anything that's blocking the flow? Once I get those worked out and the flow is in my life and I'm connected to Jesus, then everything that He has, I've got access to. And that way... If my, his words abide in me, I can ask. Meaning, what comes out of this end, I can know that it can do anything. 
Are you connected to him? Are you connected to Jesus? Are you connected to him? You say, what do you mean by that? Meaning, when you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you think about? What's the first thing? Because you know the problem is now we've got 17 buckets. We've got the church bucket, the work bucket, the family bucket, all these buckets. So we come to church, we get them all filled up. But you only need one thing. It's really simple. If you abide in him and he abides in you, everything can flow in that. Look at the power of the reach that I have. As long as I'm connected to the source. But you know what the beauty about being connected to the source? I can never get too far away. Because the moment I get too far away in my own will, I feel the tug of the source saying, that's too far. It's called walking in peace. Walking in peace is when you're connected to the source and you're walking and all of a sudden, and you're walking, you're walking along in peace and all of a sudden you feel that tug in your spirit. Wait a minute. I'm, 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 I'm on the edge here. I'm on the edge. And all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, I'm about to take one more step. And if I take that step, I'm going to be disconnected from the source. And that way, everything throughout my day has one thing on my mind, staying connected to the source. That way, everything, I don't have to get up every day and say, oh, Lord, what do I do? Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, asking God literally like a menu. Okay, God, should I do this? Should I do that? Should you ask God about everything? Yes. But how do you ask God about everything? The first thing you've got to do is walk in peace. Because if I'm walking in him and walking in the source... The moment I feel the tug, whoa, okay, wait a minute, I'm losing him for a second. I back up. If I'm watching something I shouldn't watch, if I'm listening to something, if I'm going somewhere, if I'm making a decision, I feel that I know that the source, but see, the problem is this, is that when you have a bucket mentality, you can get away from that, and by the time you realize it, it's too late. You're not walking in peace. You're just holding that you can ration out enough. So you're walking, but there's no tug. There's no pull. There's no, there's no pulling of the Spirit. There's no tug of the Spirit because you're not connected to anything. So you can freely make your own decision. And this looks like the more appealing life. This looks like the life we should all have. It's not I and Him. It's Him and me. See, we like the end thing, but we want Him in us. We don't want to be in Him because if He's in us, He can bless us versus us being in Him. So we want him and us, and that way we can go. But the problem is there's no tug. There's no tug from that. So I can get off into things or allow myself to make decisions because there's no tether to the source. But if I'm connected to the source, he's there to guide me, pull me back, say, no, son, that's too far. You don't need a preacher to say, okay, here's your bucket. Now, you don't go there. You don't do this. And don't do that. That's a bad place to take your bucket. Oh, no. And so you're going around going, oh, man, what was that thing? Oh, I can't do that. Oh, what was that thing you told me I can't do with my bucket? What was that? I don't remember what he said. Can't do that with my bucket. And so instead of focusing on the source, you're just focusing on what you can and can't do with your bucket. There's no joy and peace in that. There's no happiness. There's no power. And who wants to say, oh, come to my church. We'll show you the bucket and what to do with it and what to not to do with it. And they're like, no, thank you, I'm okay, keep your bucket. But when you know this, that you know what? If I can get you connected to the source, which is Jesus Christ, I don't have to give you a list of what you should and shouldn't do. I should just say, get connected to the source, because if you're connected to the source, woo, got it, Jesus, I feel you, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, Feel that? The difference in that? There's liberation in that. Because you know what I can do? I don't have to focus on anything. All I'm doing is just feeling the tug of the Spirit. You know how liberating that is? Do you know how much pressure this is? I know because I lived it. Pressure. Can I do this? Can I do this? And man, I had to come to church, make sure my bucket was all shined up. Well, you know what? The world is a muddy place. My bucket's not always shiny, but it impressed everybody else and make sure everyone thought I was spiritual. I had to make sure my bucket was shiny. And God forbid somebody share, stand up in front of us and say, hey, God got some mud out of my bucket. And everyone's like, oh, they didn't shine their bucket up. 
Walk with me for a moment. We're talking about a bucket, but I'm stepping all over it with Jesus. That's the bucket mentality. And we wonder why the church is not affecting the world. We wonder why. We high-five everybody because we are like, man, we got the bucket thing down, man. Woo. And the world's like, are you kidding me? Really? People, lives falling apart. Marriages going sideways. Kids losing their mind. I was in the doctor's office the other day, and a lady, I, I, she, she wasn't a believer in any way. I, I mean, she didn't confess it. She didn't have any paraphernalia. You know, didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, she just said, you know what? We're talking about she, My daughter had an eye appointment. She asked my daughter. She said, where do you go to school? So my daughter said, I'm homeschooled. And the woman said, man, that's awesome. She said, I, I am struggling with my daughter. School. And she said, she's on her fourth school right now. And she said, do you know kids are losing their mind? She's a sophomore in high school. She said, kids are losing their mind. She said, kids are just crazy. And she said, I don't know what to do. I send my daughter there every day. And, I, 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 and she's paying money. This is the, the school she's going to is not free. And it's, not, it's not free. It's money. This woman is working her rear end off to get her kid to that school. And every day she drops her off, she's stressed. Like, I don't know what my... And we're, we're going to go out and say, hey, get your buckets here. We got some buckets. Oh, yes, we're the bucket people. I don't care if we're a Pentecostal bucket, apostolic bucket, or any bucket. It's a bucket. We label things because we have buckets. So I'm going to go, well, you have a Baptist bucket. I've got a Pentecostal bucket. Well, I don't have a Pentecostal bucket. I have an apostolic bucket. You got a bucket. You got a bucket. And buckets don't affect the world. Jesus is saying, how do you that desire? Come to me and I'll give you something. And you can go out and affect the world and bear fruit. He said, no, if you're going to be a fruit bearer, then you've got to be connected to me. Man, this world is falling. This world is hurting. This world, I don't care about the moral decay. I don't care about the social, social the so, so, uh, 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 societal decay. I don't care about I just know that there are people that are hurting. There are people that are broken. They need help but we're giving them empty buckets because we've used all the resources because we don't have the source we're connected to. But what would happen if we, as a group of believers, got connected to the source? If I turn, if I fill this water up, I've got to be selective who I'm going to pour it on in this place. I could pour it over here. I could pour it over here. But I'm going to get one shot. But if I turn this hose on, I could just spread the love anywhere and everywhere all day long. And how many of you, is there any effort to do this? How hard is that? Is there stress involved in that? Is it working for God to do this? How much work is there involved to do this? How much work is there just involved to walk with Jesus? Walk with Him. Carrying your source with you everywhere you go because you're connected to it. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, oh, okay, Lord, I feel the tugging of your spirit. Did I lose Jesus? See back there? Okay, okay, good. You give me more Jesus, you give me more slack. I get it, I understand. I feel the tug. There's no work in that. There's no stress in that. But I, want, I did it last week with the bag. But I'll up the ante. Have you ever carried around five gallons of liquid? Brother John, right in right here is a painter. Five-gallon buckets are part of his job. Brother, get me a ballpark. How much do you think of five-gallon this way? 30, 40 pounds maybe? 30 pounds, depending on what it is? Paint is closer to 70. That's a lot. You know how hard that is? John, you know how brutal living for God is in that mentality? You've been there, right? It's miserable. Take that joy and peace and happiness nonsense. It's exhausting. 
So you know what we try to do? We start justifying making our buckets smaller. Smaller buckets are lighter to carry. See what the church world started doing? Church world started making smaller buckets. Churches started, people started justifying, well, by the way, I don't know if we need that big old bucket. I can just deal with a small bucket, a quarter bucket. The next thing you know, instead of coming to church with a bucket, we come to church with a water bottle because it's easier to carry. And the problem is not the size of the bucket. The problem is you're not connected to the source because if you're connected to the source, going from 70 pounds to about one ounce because that's why he said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light because you're not carrying it. You're connected to the source. Let's take a little test here today. How many of you, when you think about walking with Jesus, do you have any kind of negative feelings? When I hear the word walking with Jesus, living with Jesus, how many of you feel pressure? Feel weight? Feel a level of, oh, oh, I don't know if I... How many of you in there, don't, don't raise your hand, but how many of you when you say, we need to walk with Jesus, is your first reaction something of negative feelings? There's the test. Bucket relationship. Let's talk about trusting Jesus, having faith with Jesus, instead of going, yes, you're like, oh. We're talking about prayer. How about this? If I said, you know what? We need to pray, talk to Jesus throughout our day, every day. If I said that right now, how many of you would go, oh, that's going to be so hard. But I don't know. Oh, how many are going to begin to feel pressure? How many of you? If you're doing that, you're a bucket believer. You're a bucket believer because you're doing it out of your own strength and your own source. There shouldn't be any pressure. I lived under pressure. I know it. Come on. January is one of the greatest months of spiritual pressure there is on the calendar because it's the month we're all trying to get over the craziness of Christmas and get rededicated. So I got to pray more, got to fast more, got to read my Bible more, got to get my bucket and make sure it's filled more and more and more and more. And man, we fire out January like, I mean, we are going to change the world. Move over, Peter, move over, John. They're going to write books about me. And by February, March, we're like, this bucket stuff is for the birds. And then we just start coming, oh, Sunday, I'll just get back my routine Sunday. And then after a while, it's like, I don't even feel like doing that. And then you come to you come to church, you leave your bucket at home. You don't even bring it in the car. Then you don't even have a bucket. And you're just existing. Because it's, that's not a fun way. That, there's no enjoyment. Talk about love, peace, joy, contentment, living for Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. So why would I want to share with you on my job about the goodness of Jesus when I'm living under so much misery? I'm kind of like saying, listen, don't come to my church and listen to my Jesus. It's not a fun trip. You're laughing, but it's true. But if I'm connected to the source, if if he's the vine and I'm the branch, and I'm connected to the source, there's no pressure. And you know what? This hose... Can, can produce a lot of pressure. But do you know where it produces, produces a lot of pressure? If there's something that binds it up or if you decide to close off the flow. As long as there is a free flow in this hose, there's no pressure. It just flows. Flows. And the only time... There's good pressure is if you put pressure on the tip in certain ways, you can affect the reach farther. So sometimes God puts a little bit of pressure in our life so that the pressure can produce a greater flow in our life. So sometimes not all pressure is bad. This pressure, really bad. Flow is gone. This pressure, real bad. Flow is gone. But this pressure, just a little bit. You ever play with the hose? 
playing around with it? Come on, I know I, every guy in here has had to play with a hose sometime. Don't look at me like, oh, I would never do anything. That sounds, I, come on, you're out there going, okay, how far can I shoot this thing? And you're like, and it's, and you're adjusting your thumb. And based off the pressure you put on the opening affects how far. So you know what? Sometimes God brings pressure in your life because the pressure produces a greater reach. But it's all about being connected to the source. This world needs hoses, not buckets. This world does not need another bucket. You know what this means? Because you know why? Here's the thing. And I'm not knocking it. It's a start. I think we all start off as buckets. Because the Bible says, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of it. Out of this cavity, this emptiness. We all start with a bucket, but we're not supposed to end with the bucket. It's a start. We start with the bucket. The problem is this. If we start with the bucket, then the words I pull out are the ones that have been put in by the pastor. So that's when you go and you say, listen, I can only share. My pastor teaches this. My church teaches this. This is what we teach as a church. So I'm only giving things because I've never truly experienced it for myself. But when I'm connected to the source, I don't tell you what the church believes or what my preacher says is true. I can say, let me show you what God has done in my life. And let me tell you what God has done for me. Because you know what? This world doesn't want to know what Antioch West believes. You're going to say, well, my church believes that. They're going to go like, well, that's the place I want to go. They want to go. They want to know, what do you believe? How has God affected you in your life? How has God changed you? How has God put peace and joy and happiness in your life? And those that are connected to the source can say, let me show you. Because I'm connected to the source. We don't need buckets. We need hoses. I know that's a simple, simple, silly illustration. But I was reading this scripture And it just hit me. The imagery popped in my head. I saw a bucket, saw a hose. There's a song we sang. I'm not trying to knock it. There's scripture to it, so I'm not knocking it. But there's a song that says, Fill me, Lord. Fill me up. Fill me up. We want to be filled up. Fill, 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 fill. Fill, fill, fill. But that's all we're getting is filled. I don't want to be filled. I want to be connected to the source. I want to go from being a five-gallon bucket to a hose that can have unlimited capacity because we serve the infinite God and we're putting them in finite containers. I believe in Jesus' name. I quit with this. I believe, I know in my heart and my spirit that we are a growing church. That this, this is a body of believers that every person in here believes in affecting the world around us. We believe that it's not just about us. I believe we think that. I know it. I know it. We've taught it enough. We've preached enough. We've said enough. We've, we've, we've created a language and a culture where, you know what? We don't want to just be a group of people that just comes. We want to do that. But we, in order to make sure that is something that is from God, is that we've got to make sure that we are a group of people connected to the source. I challenge you with this in the Holy Ghost. Find Jesus for yourself. Don't come expecting the preacher, the singer, the small group leader, whoever it might be, to find it for you. Find Jesus for yourself. Walk with Jesus. Know Jesus. Not just know him through knowledge, but know him through experience. Get connected because if you can abide in him and his words abide in you, you can ask anything because without him you can do nothing. But that means if I'm abiding with him, there is nothing I can't do, meaning there's no mountain I can't climb, there's no valley I can't traverse. Not original with me, but I love it. It says, the Bible says, speak to the mountain, it'll be removed. Sometimes you can speak to the mountain all at once, it'll not be removed. So when you speak to a mountain and it doesn't move, then climb it. 
climb it. But the only way to truly climb it is being connected to the source. Father, I know you desire connection and relationship more than I do. I'm just a man. I'm just a conduit. I'm just a hose connected to the source. I can't in any way imagine how much and how deeply you feel about this subject. You put it in my heart. I've spoken the words you've given me to speak. Try not to add to or take from those words. But Lord, I can feel your heart. I can feel the the call of your spirit into this body of believers that you're calling us to find you, connect to you, that you would become the source of our life. You would become the source of what we do, that we would be connected and tethered to you, that we would not be connected and tethered to the beliefs of a church. We would not be connected and connected and tethered to the ideologies of man, but we would ultimately be connected and tethered to you, the source of all life. You are the source. God, I pray that you would illuminate in each heart in this place today areas of our life that have called us to become disconnected. Or maybe we are connected, but we've allowed kinks to come in our hose. Or maybe we've capped the, the, the flow in our hose where we can't feel and be connected like we were. But God, you are the ultimate one. I, you, you, don't, you don't need me to stand up here and to point it all out. God, you're able to speak. But I pray, God, that your grace would be upon us that we could hear when you speak. The tug, the heartbeat, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let me, I I finish with this and I'm dismissing. Thank you for your attention. Talking to the small group leaders a few minutes ago, or this morning, and some of them were sharing what was on their heart. I feel like, I don't believe it's just the time of year we're in. I feel like it's a God thing. That God is speaking to a lot of us about further commitment, deeper commitment to him. I told the small group leaders that years ago when I was pastoring in Arnold, I remember preaching a message, and the title of the message was simply this, Nothing Changes If Nothing Changes. I wonder how many of you would, Take this challenge with me. God's already talking to me and my own personal life about things, and I'm doing my best to apply those by His grace in my life. But how many of you would be willing? You don't have to raise your hands. This is something that, you know, there's no point of raising your hand. Just you, you, you do what God, what you feel to do. I'm not asking you for a commitment. That's not the point. I'm asking, I'm just challenging you. How many of you would be willing over the next couple of days to pray and ask God simply this, Lord, what are there some areas in my life that need to change so that I can become more connected to you. How many of you are willing to do that? And how many of you are willing to listen and obey when he speaks? How many of you are willing, and I don't want to get into specifics, how many are willing to, whatever he says, and I guarantee you, listen, before you get, we, we, I can feel the panic. What if he asked me to fast seven days a week and read my Bible 24 hours a day? And I, I, I got work. I got, no, he's not going to ask you to do something beyond your means. But he will ask you to do something that you cannot do on your own. He, might, he was going to ask you to do something that's going to challenge that old, nasty, rotten, stinky flesh you have. He's not going to ask you something of convenience. He's going to ask you something that's going to challenge you to step out further. Whatever that is. But how many of you, don't raise your hands, but how many will take that challenge with me and say, Lord, whatever you want of me to go further, just reveal, God, what's in me, God, that I can change, turn away from, whatever it might be, to get me more connected to you. I'm not saying so I can turn away so I can get more under the rules and guidelines of the church. Wrong answer. It's about being connected to Jesus. Lord, where are the kinks in my hose? Where are some things in my life that are keeping me from allowing your spirit? And just, here's the challenge. When God speak, will you do it? 
He's calling. I can feel His Spirit in this room. He's challenging every one of us. Every single person in this room, including yours truly, God is saying, would you go a little farther? Would you be willing to lay down this? Would you be willing to change this? Would you be willing to this, this, this? And the only question is, will you obey when he calls? Would you stand with me one more time and lift your hands? Let's just thank the Lord in this place. Praise God. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Lord, we love you today. We give you praise and glory and honor. Thank you for this wonderful body of believers that has gathered together here today. Thank you for our desire to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, our desire to know you and to be a disciple of you, to carry your image in our hearts and through our lives. I pray in Jesus' name that as we leave this building, that we would go be the church that we would be fruitful in everything we do because we're connected to you, the source of all things. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Praise God. Let's go to a small group today and continue seeing God do great things. God bless you. Greet somebody. If you help us this morning, break down that we greatly appreciate it. Amen.